Hey guys, this is James. And Greg. We're the co-hosts of the Sports Dance Podcast, a weekly podcast recapping all the news, sports, daily fantasy, and anything else you can want to know in the sports world. If you like blazing hot sports takes, you like a little bit of humor, maybe a little bit of murder. No, just kidding. All sports. But follow us, uh, Greg. On Twitter at SportsStands underscore. You can follow James at SportsStandsJ. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, we got it all. At Boom. the SportsStands. And, you know, just check us out. You're going to love what we bring to the table every single week. Hot takes, nothing less. The SportsStands. Hey guys, welcome to the Sports Stance Podcast with Greg and James. I'm the second part, and with me as always, he has a real chance to be the Colts starting quarterback next week. It's Greg Cowan, everybody. What's happening, baby? Getting the arm loose. Getting it loose. Uh, you know, uh, Pagano gave me the call. He was like, hey, you looked great on the 49ers this past weekend. Uh, they cut you for some odd reason while you're on the bench. You know, you played the junk time, but you look pretty good against us. And that's when I had to go, hey, coach, I think you mean the Rams. And he was like... That's what it was. That's what it was. I think real talk, Greg. There's we we've played backyard football together before. There is there is a very real chance that you know either of us could be as competent as Scott Tolzien was this weekend. Oh yeah, we were college all stars uh, back in the day in uh, flag football. I pulled a I, hamstring. That's how serious it went. Yeah, I I really don't want to get this podcast off on the wrong foot talking about my fantasy team, but I want to throw it out there that I had the greatest pickup in the entire world in our fantasy league. I was patrolling the waiver wire on a Friday afternoon, as one does. And I looked, I looked here, I was like, oh, wow, the Rams' defense is available. Who are they playing this weekend? Indy on the road, Scott Tolzien playing the Rams' defense at home, t- done. And they got me 30 points, and I won the game. Yeah, yeah that was pretty uh, – That's a, I'll give that to you. And remember, I said every week, we can give you like a minute time to talk about your fantasy football team, let us know how it went what you're mad about, what you're happy about, who you're pissed off at in the world because of it. I mean, well, Le'Veon Bell really got let off the hook because I had that beautiful move. Fantasy football doesn't really take any skill, Greg, to be totally honest with you. It takes a lot of blind luck. That was one of the few moves that I actually made that I was like, wow, that actually took some skill. I prepared. I did the research. I watched the film. I made the adjustments. I responded. And uh, and it, it all happened for me. So I'm just, I'm really proud of me. Hey, you've been doing a great job lately of being prepared, doing your homework, getting ready for things. I mean, you now message me like midday sometimes when we're days of podcast to give ideas. That never used to happen. Yeah, you can tell how boring my job is. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's a beautiful thing when you have a real schedule. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, Greg. Uh, we're going to recap week one in football. We're going to overreact wildly. Uh, oh, we are. I think we're going to make some very, uh, very brazen predictions and assumptions based on uh, a very small sample size of football uh, and we're going to touch on college football and a little bit of baseball and that whole business but before we get started on any of that greg uh what's going on with you what's new man uh not too much is new pretty uh pretty low-key weekend just hung out with the new puppy tried to get her accustomed to actually living in this house because when we first got her she went to three different homes in about five days Besides that, just been living in the celebrity life. You know, I've been getting hounded with phone calls for more radio stuff, James. And I was like, no, I already have my thing. You know, mm. I'm with James. We got a solid thing going. I don't care how much money you're offering. Millions of dollars. Doesn't matter, Colin Cowherd. I will not replace you on Fox Sports 1. Yeah. Tell them how it is. You know, you know, uh, you, you could have taken over Carton's spot. You know, yeah. Boomer Carton. That's uh, 
Too soon? Uh, no, I think Joe's right. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, he was arrested by the FBI for like what was it, like a gambling thing or something. He was gambling debt. It was a false. Yeah. Uh, it was like a ticket hawking thing. I don't know. I, I didn't look into too much yeah, into it. Tons of millions. I didn't, of really, dollars. I didn't really ever listen to Boomer and Carden, so I have no. Neither did I. I just knew he got arrested. Yeah. Anyone who's named Boomer, I'm, I kind of stay away from. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, mean, I realize that he's the sane one, but still. <laughs> Sad. Yeah. Anyways. Um, all right. Cool, man. Well, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, What's new with you, James? Let's see if we can get like more than two seconds out of you. Have you heard of The Deuce on HBO? No, uh, yeah, you told me about it last year. Was it last year? Uh, no, is no, that the new no. This is brand new. I told last week. I told you about the Defiant ones on HBO. That's this this week is uh, there's a new show called The Deuce, and it's about New York City in the seventies and like crime and prostitution and all this That's other kind of cool stuff. And it's made by the guys who make The Wire. So uh, I'm gonna. Good. I'm digging into that tonight. I'm sinking my teeth right into a big old deuce. So I think really instead of asking, <laughs> I think instead of asking you, like how your week's been and everything and what's new with you, I should say, hey James, forget what's new with you. What new show are you watching and recommending for our listeners? I can't recommend the deuce yet because I, I haven't really kind of, you know, sucked in the deuce fumes. But by uh, saying you're totally going to already go drop down on that couch and watch a big fat deuce, yeah. you know. Exactly. You're already kind of plugging in that recommendation and getting it in you know people's what? minds. Check it out. Sports stance, people watch it with me and let's let's reconvene next week and talk about it. Uh, yeah. The pilot of the episode of The Deuce is on HBO. Tweet James at Sports Stance. Oh, yeah, oh, let's get him using that Twitter again. <laughs> uh, yeah, not much. Not much else is going on with me, so that kind of covers it all. Let's dive right into it. People want to hear about the NFL because nobody can get enough of it. Let's get into it. The best part about week one is overreacting and that's where we're going today greg uh, we want to give to you uh, as a sports stance listening audience uh our top three overreactions uh each right so we're each going to yeah, give three overreactions we might have the same for all we know i have a feeling i know some of yours i have a feeling you don't know any of mine <laughs> i try to go curveball with mine but I, I some of them i actually do believe a little bit which shows you how much you actually do overreact after week one that's true. Uh, and some of them are a little fun uh, all right, who wants to go first? Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? You know what? You go first. It was your idea. You go first. Okay. My first overreaction. This is the freshest one that I have so far um, just because of when it happened. Uh, first overreaction, Sam Bradford's going to win MVP. Oh, yeah, okay. That is as a big overreaction. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Bradford last night against the Saints defense uh, went 27 of 32 for 346 yards touchdowns and you know he he did have a, a couple caveats here about this overreaction greg he played against the saints defense which is one of the worst in the entire league and has been for years years um and then he also had uh, a really great contribution from that cook kid that running back that i mentioned uh a couple uh, last week yeah. uh, as someone to take a uh, to keep an eye out for pretty, so pretty good opening you know, night. Cook had a great game too he had over 100 yards rushing um, but Bradford was really impressive. Uh, he was like legitimately really impressive. He had over 10 yards, uh, per reception. He had a couple, uh, he had really great chemistry with Diggs. Um, I'm blanking on his first name. Um, Stefan, Stefan yes, Diggs. Stephon Diggs. Uh, he had really great chemistry with them. And a couple of the passes that he was throwing really just kind of thread the needle. 
Um, a sneaky stat that no one really talks about because last year he uh, he you know had one of the highest completion percentages in league history while at the same highest, time yes. 71.6 yeah saw earlier Yep. While at the same time, he uh, he was second to last in the league in yards per reception. So everyone was like shitting on him for being just really a dink and dunker. Um, but on on passes over 20 yards in the air, he had the highest completion percentage. And last night, he had quite a few of them. He was really yeah. pushing the ball. Um, so if the Vikings uh, win... The NFC North, which is a big stretch. I mean, they, obviously the Packers are very good, um, and the Bears looked friskier than we thought they would. Yeah, they did. Um, but if the if the if the Vikings are in spitting distance and Sam Bradford keeps up these kinds of numbers, especially compared to the horrible quarterback play for the rest of the league, Sam Bradford wins MVP. There we go. That's, that's a big overreaction, but I like it. I like it. I like where your head's at in Week One. I'm really trusting it. It's going to be a good year, I think. Yeah, this is the this is the funny one that I was talking about, the not actual real yeah. one. So I just yeah. want people to <laughs> Hey, you never know. Hey, I might have to stop calling him Noodle Arm Bradford because he dropped some nice throws in there last night. Yeah. No, seriously. Um Sam Bradford. Now I'll also give one more caveat, um, which is because uh he he did it last year as well when he first got into the uh when he first got to the Vikings. Uh he had a big time seventeen fourteen win over the Packers last year. Uh, completing 22 of 31 passes for 286 yards and two touchdowns in his first start with the Vikings. So I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there that he's kind of shown this before. He, he has a big old coming out party the beginning of the season or his first game with the Vikings and uh, kind of comes crashing down to earth. But uh, I, I believe in you, Sammy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, only person that's not rooting for Sam Bradford right now, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Probably the only person yeah, I'd say for so. him. All right, so my first overreaction of the NFL season. James, you're going to like this one because it was part of our preview that you mentioned this person as a, who the fuck is that guy? Uh, Vance Joseph for uh, NFL Coach of the Year. I'm saying after week one. Calling that timeout right at the end of the game. Beautiful timing. Guy made it, had all the confidence in the world. He hits it and he's like, wait, I got to do that again. Gets a little shaken. Team blocks the next kick. I mean, you can't get better coaching than that, James. I mean, it was just genius. He's trusting Trevor Simeon. He's making the right moves of not playing Brock Osweiler. That alone should show you that he deserves to be coach of the year by not playing Brock Osweiler and putting the Brocket ship in motion. Vance I Joseph, NFL coach of the year. I don't think that gives him coach of the year, I got to be honest with you. <laughs> it, to, to not play Brock Osweiler. If you can win with Trevor Simeon as your starting quarterback, you deserve NFL coach of the year. Yeah, I, I mean, if, I mean, if the Colts get one win with Tolzien as their quarterback, Chuck Pagano, NFL Coach of the Year, off the hot seat. <laughs> yeah, very true. All right, well, that's uh, that's not that's not a bad one. I I will I will accept this because uh, Vance Joseph ushered in uh, our actual uh, highlight of last night's uh, Broncos game, which is our boy Sergio Dip. Do you see this guy? Yes. So bad. Oh, so we bad. love Sergio. Uh, I, can you drop that? Can you drop an audio of that into this little spot? I can. If you give me a second. You can give a little background of it, just if you want. But okay, so uh, ESPN always has these weird double headers to begin the year. Um, it has something to do with the fact that the Monday night, uh, there's no Monday night game at the very end of the season. So, but ESPN paid all this money for the Monday night games, um, so they need to have like a double header to begin the season in order to fulfill the contract. But ESPN does not have multiple. Um, 
like, you know, game crews. They only have one game a week. Why would they have multiple game crews? So they have to kind of break out the, uh, the reserves, especially for the 1030 game. That's going to get zero eyeballs. Um, so they, uh, at the beginning of the, uh, at the beginning of the broadcast, they brought out uh, a gem, Sergio Dip, who is uh, a Mexican journalist. Everybody uh, thought Rex Ryan was going to be the worst thing last night. They were wrong. Yeah. And uh, do you have it pulled up? I do. Are you ready for this? Yeah, this is amazing. This is. All right, here we go. Sergio Dip making his <laughs> weird talk. With you guys here on the field from up close, just watching Coach Vance Joseph from here. You watch him now on the screen. This diversity in his background is helping him a lot tonight. Quarterback at Colorado, defensive back in the NFL. And here he is having the time of his life. Uh, having the time of his life. I, you know what? Credit, credit where credit's due. That guy brought the energy. He did. I, uh, <laughs> all it made me think of was, did you ever see the Ray Romano ESPN like goof on SNL when he says like "sweet sassy molasses"? And they're like, "No, no, yeah. just stop it." That's all <laughs> that, it made me think. Of. That's pretty good. Sergio Dip is the real, uh, the real winner of last night's Monday Night Football game. Forget Here's Vance Joseph. Twitter and everybody did not overreact to that. That's not an overreaction that can be put into words. Um, okay, my second overreaction of the week one of the NFL season is that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to win the AFC South. <laughs> <laughs> that is my overreaction. Okay, yeah. so the, the, the Jaguars uh, came into the siege, season um, with, with very little expectation. Not a lot of people thought a lot of the Jaguars. And lo and behold, the only team in the AFC South with a win after week one are the Jags. It's the first time that they're above 500 since 2011. Um, and since the last time that they were actually 500, they've gone through five coaches uh, and God knows how many other quarterbacks. Um, Blake Bortles didn't throw a, bra- a, a back-breaking, crippling interception. Uh, the defense had 10 sacks, and they came out against a Houston team that was very emotional, and a lot of people were touting as a really good quality squad. And uh, and they ended the Tom Savage era in Houston after a single half. So <laughs> I, I have to uh, I, I have to say I was really impressed with the Jags. They have a great defense. Um, their front seven's phenomenal, and the, finally some of the investments that they've made in the cornerback position seem to be, you know, bearing fruit. Yeah, uh, it, it, they have a fantastic running back. That kid Fournette is the real deal. I mean, he was really impressive. Uh, help and my uh, fantasy team. As long as as long as Blake Bortles just you know doesn't doesn't totally implode in the sideline, you know, uh, eh, why not? Why not the Jags? Let's go Jags. AFC South. Let's go Jags. Except a uh, uh, bad loss for them offensively with Allen Robinson being done for the year. Yeah, we'll ignore. Did you see the clip, though, talking about Bortles and how he is prone to messing up? Did you see him run up to Allen Robinson after he got hurt and literally run up and tap him on the one knee? And it was the knee that his ACL was actually torn in. And he just like hit it and just kept running off like, you're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, that's not a great look for Bortles, especially uh, if one of the major questions surrounding him was his awareness. That's not going to help anything. Yeah, especially when uh, they're like, hey, it's one of his knees. Oh, it's one of his knees. Is it this one? I think I figured out which one it was, guys. Not a doctor that Blake Bortles, but uh, you know what are you gonna do? Uh, Jaguars. Yeah. All right. So 
My overreactions are weirder, huh? Uh, no, this one, this one's gonna, this one's gonna go contradictory of something I said last week. Uh, you remember last week I was talking about like MVPs could be uh, JJ Watt. Um, my week one overreaction: TJ Watt's gonna be brother better than his brother JJ Watt. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, did oh, you see man. the stat line of TJ Watt? You know, I uh, I saw that he had the he had a, what he had pick six or a fumble recovery. He had, he had, he had a, a score, right? He, I don't know if he had a score. I didn't I didn't double check on that. No, oh no, he had an interception. He had an interception. He had two sacks and seven total tackles. Plus he had the, yeah he had the quarterback twice, obviously, and he had a pass deflection. I mean, the guy did everything for the Steelers. He represented the Steelers defense how it's supposed to be represented. He was himself a steel curtain, and therefore. TJ Watt's going to be better than the brother. What did JJ Watt do this weekend, you ask? Oh, he dislocated his finger, uh, had one tackle, and just pumped up the crowd really well right before the game. That's it. That's all he did. Didn't the didn't the bone like burst through JJ Watt's skin or something like I that? Like not, that? I don't know. I hope not because that would if it did, I did not see a photo of it, and that is disappointing because I feel like at 3 in the morning, he should be tweeting that out to people being like, still going to play. Yeah, I know. It was uh... – I pr- I'm 99% sure that like the bone like burst through his uh burst through his skin. It's not That's great. Awful. Well, anyway, I don't care. Bone through the finger doesn't matter. Hey JJ, stop getting hurt. Maybe uh play like your brother and make some tackles and sack some guys and be on the field. Help your team out. I don't know. All right, DJ, watch <laughs> That's a big overreaction, Greg. I do appreciate the moxie on you. Thank um, you. My. Uh, my the last overreaction of the year. This is the one that I actually believe. Out of the other, out of all three overreactions, this is the least overreacting that I'm doing. Russell Wilson's not going to make it a full season. That <laughs> offensive line is the worst I've seen in a long time. I just I just talked about a game where the Jacksonville Jaguars sacked the opposing quarterback ten times. And I still think that the worst offensive line of the year or of the week award goes to Seattle. That offensive line is so bad, and it's borne out in a few different things. Um, Westbrook had a horrible game. Um, he was—I mean, he didn't throw any picks. I mean, it wasn't Andy Dalton level bad, but it wasn't great. Oh, uh, it was so twenty-seven. It, it was uh, he was fourteen for twenty-seven with a, that's a fifty-one point nine percent completion percentage. Um, he only went uh, six yards per attempt. Um, so I don't even know how many per completion. Um, you know, his longest play was like a 34-yard, but he took three sacks. Um, and even like the completions, like every single play, he had to roll out of the pocket uh, just, to, just to get away because <laughs> every single time he turned around, uh, you know, he had, a, he had three guys in his face. It's not like the Packers have like this dominant defense. Like they've always been kind of middle of the pack, um, yeah. not to make a bad pun. I was amazed. <laughs> I was amazed when I turned the. T- I didn't. I had the game on the background, but I hadn't paid attention too much. And I turned and I looked at the screen. I was like, "It's like nothing, nothing." Or three, three with like a few minutes left in the second half. I was like, "What is going on? When did the Packers become defensive?" I honestly think that you know because the because the Packers have a pretty great offense, and that really is a testament to how good Seattle's defense was that it held them, um, you know, to whatever they end up scoring. I think it was something like you know. Um, 19 points or whatever it was. No, but it, the, the, the Seattle defense did really well and shut down Aaron Rodgers in the first half. Um, but I, I honestly think that the offensive line cost him that game. Because then you look at the rushing statistics and, like, you know, total rush yards was, uh, uh, you know, like under 100. 
Um, it was 90 rush yards total for, for uh, all these guys. Yeah. Um, Eddie Lacy had five attempts for three yards. Uh, Russell Wilson had the most yards of any um, any uh, running back, and that's because he had a 29-yard scramble um, because he was getting constantly chased. <laughs> he had to roll out of the yeah. pocket and ripped off a 29-yard scramble. I don't think that Russell Wilson has a ton of history with injuries, but he's had to play into the postseason multiple times. He's lost a decent amount of weight, and you know, I, I usually that's a good thing. But when he's getting hit as much as he is, uh, I, I honestly think that he's not going to last the entire year. Mm, yeah, I don't think he's going to actually last the entire year. This will probably be the first time in a while that he will get hit and not get back up one of these times because that man is literally on the run every single play. I don't think he has a second to even think. He just has to literally drop back, take two steps. He instead of doing a three-step drop, he literally has to do a foot and a half, like one and a half step drop and try to get it out, or somebody's going to be hitting him. Right. Yeah, that was that was tough to watch. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Yeah. Uh, probably was it tougher to watch that, or is it tougher to watch the fact that Alex Smith just like completely destroyed your secondary? All right. No. Okay. Hoping I'd get a reaction more angry than that right away, but no, I'll get I'm to not, my I'm, I'll get to my third overreaction. I'm so not worried about the Patriots. It's like not even funny. Yeah. Well, I was actually expecting one of your overreactions to be the Patriots are done after Week One, but since you know you didn't take it, luckily I get to <laughs> overreaction. <laughs> Tom Brady's over the hill. Oh my god. Good. You know what? Good. Yeah, I want not, you to worry about the Patriots. He can't do it anymore. He looked awful in that game on thursday granted maybe his mind clock and body was like wait we play on sundays i thought why are we playing on thursdays i am not ready for this because he's old he's 40 he can't do it anymore he doesn't have the long hair bring long hair brady back i might get concerned let him grow it out a little bit and everybody's like hey piss brady piss brady's gonna be coming back out going 15 and 1 now well you're supposed to go 16 and 0 chiefs weren't supposed to give you any type of issues brady looked awful couldn't hit Gronk to save his life. Uh, Brandon Cooks, he had some big throws to him. He had one big throw, missed a few of them. Uh, basically tried to dink and dunk. Nothing. He was letting his guys get concussions all over the field. I mean, it was just awful. Terrible quarterbacking by a guy who's supposed to be amazing. So, yeah, overreaction. Tom Brady's over the hill. He's done. Patriots are done. They're yeah. going to go like 8-8. Eight and eight, And uh, the Bills are going to win the division. That was a bad game. There's no doubt about that. That was an ugly, ugly game. That and I could not be less worried about the Patriots. Yeah, that's my fake uh, overreaction of the week. In case people are wondering, I I'm yeah still pretty terrified. I could not be less worried about the Patriots if I tried. To be totally <laughs> honest with you, like that was I I love love the Patriots lost that game. I love it. I love it. Give it me really, a loss. It was really between going with Brady's over the hill or Belichick's on the hot seat. Uh, you know what happened this week? Yes. ESPN downgraded the Patriots from the number one to the number four spot on their power rankings. <laughs> Good. Good. Yeah, but no, it's funny. It. They, did that, they did that with a loss. It's not even like they, they didn't even like win and got dropped down. They lost and they only dropped three spots, and that's only because they were like, I guess we can't put them number one because they technically that's lost. I want, everyone, I want everyone to say the Patriots aren't the best team in the league. I want everyone to say that the AFC East is up for grabs now. I want the whole world to know that Tom Brady's washed up and over the hill. That's what they need. And I'm so excited about this. They needed some controversy. They needed some some friction, something to go up against, some underdog. 
momentum, and they got it. So I am so pumped about this week. This week they're going to destroy the Saints. Sam Bradford just put up 346 yards against the Saints defense. What do you think Tom Brady's going to do when he's pissed off and with 10 days of, uh, of rest and recovery? 475, 500 maybe. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be ugly. So I don't even know I, if they're going to give the ball excited. to a running back, and if they do, we won't know which one, so fantasy owners are always screwed when it comes to that. Yeah, Bill, like can you give us like an the, idea? I like that Gillespie kid. He's good. All right, those are our reactions to the week. I think they were pretty good. They were. Uh, they'll get better, I believe, as the week is going, especially if TJ Watt keeps outperforming JJ and his bone-through-skin injury. Ooh, poor JJ. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's – I can't really confirm nor deny that. That's just what I heard through the grapevine, through my NFL sources. I was going to say your sources. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Let's move on to the games that we are most excited about this week and the games that we are least excited about this week. And Greg, we'll start with you this time. All right. What, should I go most or least excited first? Let's do most. All right. Most excited for this week. As much as I would love to say I'm most excited for the Eagles because, you know, Ginger Jesus, Carson Wentz had a great opening week and they're against the Chiefs. Uh, it's a game that I am interested in, but I don't want to pick it because already my interest is already there. There's other games I feel like I should pay attention to also. So the game outside of the Eagles that I am most interested in seeing is the Vikings Steelers. Oh, that's a good one. I was gonna, I was, I was thinking about that one. Yeah, I mean, you got these two teams, uh, the Steelers, who are coming off a win against the Browns, 21-18. Everybody is talking about their offense. Ben Roethlisberger, the Killer Bees didn't look that great except Antonio Brown. Basically, half of Roethlisberger's pass yards went to Brown only. Nothing really happened with Martavius Bryant. Uh, Le'Veon Bell looked like he hadn't played in a preseason game or touched a football in months, which he hadn't, and it showed. And so the offense looked awful. Their defense wasn't bad. I mean, they basically, without that defense, lose the game because they blocked a punt and scored a touchdown. Without that touchdown, it's 18-14 Browns, and everybody's going crazy then. Then you have the Vikings. One Monday night, as you talked about, Sam Bradford, fantastic game. Stefan Diggs wore his Randy Moss cleats, played like Randy Moss. They had Dalvin Cook running up and down the field all over Adrian Peterson's return to Minnesota while he's yelling at Sean Payton on the sideline. I'm interested in seeing this. Vikings have a good defense. They're solid defense. Steelers offense has to see if they can turn it around, get things going. I mean, this team should be putting up 30-something points a game. They should be like the Falcons offense, who also did not do well this week against a defense that nobody thought should be able to contain them. But yeah, Vikings Steelers, I believe it's at uh, Pittsburgh. So that'll make it even more interesting, depending on, you know, what the weather's doing. I like outside games. I don't want that inside stuff. I want these two teams with tough defenses going hard at each other outside, maybe get some rain. Who knows? But that's the game I'm most interested in outside of my, you know, hometown team. The other point that I was going to make about that game, too, that I really like is it's a, uh, it's a good, like, uniform game. Like I like the uniforms. It's the, yeah. it's the purple versus the versus the uh, versus the yellow or gold or whatever you want to call the it. The black and gold, yeah. Um, it, you know I, that's a good like you know, I don't know. It's just like classic NFL uniforms going at each other. I really, yeah. I really like that. Don't give me the color rush. Keep it simple. No, I mean this is good. That's a good pick. Um, so yeah, you mentioned the Eagles and Chiefs is a really good game, and um. I'm going to try to pick something that we haven't talked too much about. Eagles and Chiefs is a good one. I think Eagles and Chiefs is a really good one to, to yeah. keep an eye out for. Obviously, Pats and Saints, we, get, we like that one. Um, Packers at Falcons, that's a really good game. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, I, I told you that, the, that Green Bay is the most boring, good team I could possibly think of, and I still, I still hold on to that. Uh, that. That was a tough game to watch, that Green Bay-Seattle game. 
Uh, and I just every single game that Green Bay is in, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a great game, and it's boring. So uh, that I'm not gonna say that game because it's a boring game. I'm actually excited to watch the Browns Ravens game. Now I, it's crazy huh. to say that I'm I'm most excited about that because that's not true. I mean, I think that the three games that I picked plus that Viking Steers game are probably gonna be better games. But from a narrative standpoint, the Browns were very close to winning that game against the Steelers. You know, the Steelers kind of pulled away at some point. Um, but the Browns started off with that blocked punt that was that, honestly, like there's, like if you if that play goes 100 times, 99 times out of 100, that ball's at the safety. Yep. But that ball just kind of like curved just so. Uh, so it's a touchdown for the Steelers. And they lost by five points. So, you know, turn that into a two-point thing, and this game's a lot more interesting. Uh, I really liked what I saw out of Kaiser. Yeah, um, it looked pretty good. Crowell didn't even have that great a game. He he was more impactful in the passing passing game than he was in the rushing game. But Crowell's a legitimate, uh, you know, weapon. And their defense is pretty good. They shut down Le'Veon Bell, for Christ's sake. I mean, that's pretty solid. Uh, Roethlisberger threw a pick. I mean, part of that has to be early season rust a little bit, but at the same time, it's a frisky Browns team uh, going against a Ravens team that, that won pretty handily last week. But I like that interdivisional, uh, I like that in, interdivision, you know, rivalry there. Yeah. Um, it's the first time that I'm actually kind of excited to see what the Browns can do. Like, if they can be frisky against two straight divisional opponents, um, I think that they, you know, that the fan base has something to look forward to. Again, yeah. It's not the best game of the week. Let's let's throw that out there. That's, no. That belongs to you know Vikings, Steelers, Pats, Saints, Eagles, Chiefs, Packers, Falcons, um, you know the whole thing. You could even throw Cowboys, Broncos in there. I wouldn't be mad at you. But uh, in terms of sheer storylines, like Browns, Ravens. That's a good choice. I like that one. Uh, you're right. Kaiser did show some moxie in that game. I liked what he was doing, especially for a rookie quarterback first start against the Steelers. It's one of those teams that you just probably grew up watching how dominant they were. So I actually like that pick. Dog Pound's got to be happy with what they saw that first week. All right, least uh, game that you're least looking forward to this weekend. Oh, this is so simple. It's not even funny. I mean, I could go Redskins Rams because I don't care. I could go 49ers Seahawks because we know Seahawks are going to win that. The team that I know and the game that I know is going to be super boring, super don't care about because it's just some players that probably are at the end of their careers and others that just are a bad team. I'm going Cardinals Colts. Oh, that's the one that I was going to go with, too. Yeah, so then we this can just both, game we can both talk about stinks. it. Oh, it's so bad. It it hurts my head even thinking about how bad this game could be. All I picture is a lot of pick sixes going back and forth. Yeah. But they're going to be like close pick sixes. It's going to be like the guy gets to the goal line and starts bobbling the ball because he can't hold on to it just because they all stink. I don't think the, the Colts' defense is competent enough to come up with a pick six. Like At least the Cardinals' defense is decent. Yeah, they got the Honey Badger. At least he can do stuff. And uh, is Chandler Jones still on that team? I think so. Yeah, I, I actually think. own the. Uh, I also own the Cardinals defense in uh, in fantasy. So I have the beautiful, beautiful uh, privilege of playing uh, two weeks in a row playing the defense that is going up against the Colts offense. And I'm, yeah. I'm I think that's the plan. Ever if there's a defense available playing the Colts, pick it up. That's our fantasy advice for the week. If you're facing yeah. the Colts That's and you have good. that defense, uh, pick them up if they're on your waiver wires. We should throw yeah, that in every if, 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 I can put a little it, fantasy advice. Yeah, if I can put out a defense two weeks in a row that's going up against the Colts offense, I know I'm in good shape. No, yeah. that game stinks. Uh, that, I would not. I, I could care less. Neither of those teams are doing anything. Uh, they're going nowhere fast. 
Uh, the Colts are a little more depressing, in my opinion, just because they've got no redeeming qualities. Like, even when Andrew Luck comes back, that's really that's almost more depressing. So I wish, I, hopefully, he just kind of stays. I just feel bad for him yeah. watching him on the sideline. He just looks so depressed. He looks like a little kid that didn't get picked to be in the game, or he's like the all-star athlete that, uh, you know, just is like his mom's like, no, you can't play this game right now. Like every yeah. time they show him, he I'd just also looks nom- so depressed. I'd also, nom- also nominate uh, Lions Giants for this. Just because the Lions were the team, uh, again, uh, that I, I said was the most forgettable team to me in the NFL, and the Giants stunk last week. Yeah, um, but that's what so interests me. Right? I want to see that if that offense can turn around. I want to see if OBJ's back. That I want to see how they do. So it's a little more interesting for me, but I'm also an Eagles fan, so I kind of just want to see how they do. Yeah, that's fair. That's like you, you still want to see how much the Jets stink. I mean, it's just it's a thing. It's bad. The Jets really stink. They're so bad. <laughs> Did you? I heard this the other day on the radio. Uh, McGown, the quarterback for the Jets, gets paid like 150 grand every time he starts a game for the Jets this year, and it's like the highest ever per game playing like bonus you can get in history. Uh, I haven't. I didn't hear that, but that's a super Jets stat. I'm like, that's really sad. Like, hey, you're still actually starting for us. We'll we'll give you a few hundred thousand because we stink. Yeah, they're they're, they're horrible. Um, all right. Anything else you want to touch on the NFL before we move on, Greg? No, I mean, uh, Sergio, I hope we get to see more of you. That's really about it. <laughs> RIP if he's done. Um, <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, let's get into, uh, you want to talk about college football this weekend? Yeah, we're going to do some college football. Then we'll get into some baseball. You know, we don't have guest picks this week, so it was on me. You can deal uh, with a shorter episode, people. Yeah. Just- I can deal with it. We might not, we might not have guest picks every week. I mean, I got a life. I can't contact people all the time and get these all these guests. You know, they want all this airtime, and I don't want to give it to them. I want right. to hear me and James talk. All right, so college football. So big stuff happening in college football. You know, the past few weeks have given us nothing but top ten matches. First week we had FSU, we had uh, Florida, yeah, FSU and Alabama going off against each other, one versus three. Last week we got number two Ohio State versus number five Oklahoma, and boy, did it pay off. Most way through the game. It was super close halfway through the game. Scores tied going at half. Low scoring game, it seemed. You were like, all right, this is what we came for. Ohio State has a strong defensive front. Um, Oklahoma, you know, their offense is just being kept down. Baker Mayfield, you got to see what he can do. He's going to make some plays. You know he's going to make plays. Second half goes, uh, and Oklahoma just takes off. And it's kind of a revenge game. Oklahoma won. They won big. And it's a revenge game from last year when Ohio State went into Boomer Sooner land and uh, took down Oklahoma. And so all we heard all week was Oklahoma wants revenge. They got it. And Baker Mayfield then decided to go plant the Oklahoma flag in the center of the field. A little disrespectful. And he must have forgotten that the field was made of turf because that flag went in and then immediately dropped. So, you know, the whole... uh, in your face type thing really didn't stick. And I kind of more laughed at it than it was like, Oh damn, that's a savage move. Yeah. I, is Baker Mayfield like a, is he like a guy? Is he something that we should be paying attention to, uh, you know, coming in this draft? Yeah. Here? I mean, uh, going into the draft, I don't know. He will be the Heisman. He's like a, he's like a more, a better passing Tebow is how Can I'll you explain it. to me why people who win the Heisman are always shitty in the NFL? I think it's because college literally just picks whoever the best player is. 
And especially when it comes to quarterbacks, like Tebow wasn't like a great passing quarterback. He had his passing stats, but they made him a runner. He was more of like a running back takeoff, do what you're going to do, but it doesn't translate into the NFL game. I mean, it kind of did. He had some success, but I don't know. I think there's some sort of curse. Dick a little bit. And it's like, we're going to pick a player that will never be successful in the NFL, but they're great. A lot of it also has to do with the systems they run in college. I mean, a lot of these guys come from these spread offenses now, especially quarterbacks, and that's not what they do in the NFL. So then they don't know how to do under the under center snaps. They fuck it all up. And then you get guys like uh, White and all those guys who came from Oklahoma two years ago and Liner who just don't have the skill set to compete at the high pace level. They're used to the easy teams that they had in their divisions. So I think that's part of it. The only guys I've done well are yeah, Alan well, Hammer. Good, guys on, good on Baker Mayfield for going into a really hostile, hostile environment in the entire Oklahoma State team. Um, for making it happen against Ohio State, that's not an easy place to win in. No. Um, it was a bad it was a you know bad day for Ohio because Michigan won the other game against Cincinnati there as well, and they're ranked number four now, I think. Yeah, um, they're going to be the – it's going to be them and Penn State, which makes Ohio State fans probably nuts, the fact that they won't even have a chance this year at the Big Ten now. Yeah, that would be pretty tough. Um. Yeah, and there's some good there's some good quarterback play happening as well. Uh, we know about you know Rosen and Donald and the whole thing. Yeah, college football is very exciting this year. Yeah, uh, you know, especially compared to what was a pretty lackluster first week of the NFL in terms of overall play. Yeah, uh, and how kind of shitty the NFL makes everyone feel when it's not going on, like the off seasons. <laughs> So horrible now. <laughs> no, yeah, we not definitely had, follow. College football definitely brought it this week, and uh, even had Notre Dame and Georgia fifteen versus number twenty. Notre Dame was twenty three or twenty four at the time. Uh, going down stinks. to the wire. No, hey, you shut your mouth. Uh, it came down to the wire, twenty to nineteen. It came down to like a strip sack in the final drive. Of course, Notre Dame messed it all up and made me sad. But uh, even better, we got Brian Kelly at the end in his press conference getting super pissed off at a female reporter because she said, hey, last year you guys sucked in one possession games. Uh, it seems to be continuing. You going to do something about that? And he was just like, uh, I don't get the question. And she's like, are you going to get better at one possession games? He goes, we're just going to play the game. All right. That's all we're going to do. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to coach. I'm going to do what I do. And that's it. And then he's like, is that it? Did I answer your question? She's like, not really. He goes, fine. That's it. And he just walked off. Fantastic. Yeah, he was hyper rude to her. I saw that. Uh, I saw that clip. He's he stinks. Notre Dame stinks. Everyone stinks there. Hey, uh, uh, speaking of stinks, did you see the Mississippi State Louisiana Tech play the third, the second and goal from like their five yard oh, line? Yeah, and then and then third and ninety eight. Yeah, like third and night. Yeah, whatever it was. Um, all I thought while listening, seeing that play was, do you know the old timey music that was just like, that's all I kept picturing. Uh, so I took that clip, put the music to it, and put it out in the Twitterverse, just because it made Good. me happy to do so. Let it, let everyone know those those plays like that are also the reason why, you've, no matter how awesome college football gets, like you have plays like that, and I'm like, oh, isn't that so cute? They suck. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would love to see that happen in an NFL game just once and to see how people react. Yeah, uh, and break the internet. Yeah. Um, all right. That's uh, what. What college football games do you want to talk about? Or do you want to look forward to this weekend, Greg? Uh, this weekend, you know, the ones I'm going to be really checking out are going to be Tennessee versus Florida. It's 23 versus 24. It's always a really good rivalry. Um, the best thing about Tennessee they have going for them, which everybody hates about it, and it's just it's fun to hate it just because of how dumb of an idea it is. 
they have this thing. It's called Team One Twenty One. It's a garbage. It's a garbage like can they have on the sideline for turnovers. Every time they get a turnover, they throw that ball into that garbage can and keep it there to see how many pile up. And in the first week of the whole season, they got a turnover and the guy went to dunk it and missed the dunk. And I was like, uh, I feel like you should retire that thing after that because if you can't even do that simple process of ball and bucket, you shouldn't have that on the field. That's pretty tough. Then the other one, the big game of the weekend is going to be Clemson-Louisville, mainly because it's Clemson's number three. Louisville's ranked 14th. You have the defending national chance versus the defending Heisman winner and Lamar Jackson, who went off on a crazy game the past week against North Carolina. He scored six touchdowns. He accounted for six touchdowns, passing, running. Guy went crazy, balled out against UNC. Wasn't even funny. I think he had... He had 393 yards passing, James, and then he had 132 yards rushing. That's a lot of yards. So uh, sounds like he's primed to replace uh, Tom Brady. All right, well. All right, that was college football, and uh, let's finish this thing off with a little bit of baseball talk. We have one team going in one direction, another team going in the wrong direction. So, Greg, which one's which? We got a little Indians talk. Oh, yeah, we got Indians. Uh, they are on one of the hottest streaks I think I've ever seen. They're going yeah, nuts. So how many straight now? Uh, they're at 19. Probably at this point we're talking, they probably already hit 20, or they're up like 50 nothing against whoever they're playing and ready to capture it. If they win tonight, they tie the uh, A's record. Yeah, uh, Moneyball. In a row. Moneyball, yeah. Great movie if you haven't checked it out. Brad Pitt's phenomenal. Looks nothing like Billy Bean, but that doesn't matter. You <laughs> uh, got some real biceps in that thing. He does. I was like, wow, Billy Bean lifts. Uh, Just to give you an idea of how dominant the Indians have been, James, they've scored 132 runs compared to 32 runs over this 19-game winning streak. They've hit more home runs than they've allowed runs score. They've hit 38 home runs during it and only given up 32 runs. That's crazy. That's really dominant. Plus, they've also been doing this all completely without Andrew Miller, who went on the disabled list. And in this whole process, they've taken home field advantage from the Astros, who everybody thought had a clear home field advantage locked up basically like a month and a half ago. Yeah, and, and all of that's very impressive, and everyone's pretty uh, a pretty stark contrast to what's going on in L.A. right now. Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers have been awful. They, uh, they're basically the Jets of the NFL right now where they just stink, and you wouldn't even know it if you weren't a, like a baseball follower. If you looked at records, you'd think everything's fine and dandy because they're 92 – and 52 or something like that right now when the streak started though they were 91 and 37 they have lost 15 of their last 16 games 11 straight and even clayton kershaw coming back from disabled list all of that can't do anything to stop it i mean he gave up four earned runs in his last game it's just bad james it's just bad but they still have a nine game lead on the diamondbacks who just went on a, like 13 game win streak themselves so here's the thing for me right so you know, Cleveland looks unstoppable, and the Dodgers can't buy a win. Tell me how that matters once the playoffs actually start. In my opinion, and this is a kind of opinion that's been backed up recently in recent years, it doesn't matter how dominant you get, uh, you know, in the regular season. It's just a matter of peaking at the right time. Yep. Like, you could even make an argument that the Indians are peaking at the wrong time, like right before you're supposed to start peaking. Like, if this whole run of dominance had happened, like, like three weeks later, I mean, we'd be talking about an all-time team right now. But, but you know, it, it always happens in baseball. The best teams do not win. 
That's just not what happens. The exception is like last year's Cubs, and, and that's really all that the, – the only exception in recent memory is last year's Cubs. But for the rest, most part, it's just whoever gets hot, you know, it's like, it, whether it's Kansas City or San Francisco or, or any of these other teams that just kind of like ride a really good, uh, you know, three weeks of baseball to yeah. a World Series win. So I don't – I'm not as scared of it. Even as a, as a Red Sox fan – I'm not even all that scared of the Indians because to be honest with you, because what happens if we get hot? What happens if Chris Sale, you know, really fucking turns it on and, and Mookie Bet remember Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts both remember how to hit. Yeah, and all of a sudden it all it all happens for us like right at the right time, you know? David, I mean David Price comes back and maybe learns how to actually pitch in the playoffs. Right. So I you know, it, honestly, it's really great that the Indians are doing this and it gives them a nice storyline, especially right when baseball's kind of winding down and people are kind of getting settling back into football. But it doesn't matter. It's just you get get to the playoffs and then just see what happens. I think that's what every baseball I think that's what baseball's come down to now. Yeah. It's almost like hockey. Yeah, and see this is why you're we're perfect. I give all the stats and everything with what's going on in baseball and you come on and just crap all over and go, well it doesn't matter because Baseball, this and that, and all that. And it works because then people get both sides. So we got the people that care about the stats in there. They're like, oh, that's a great stat. Then we have the people who are like, I don't give a shit about the stats. Streaks don't matter. Baseball is a fool's game. Everybody makes the playoffs. Whoopee! Not everybody makes the playoffs. It's really difficult to make the playoffs. I think that's a really that's a huge skill is making the playoffs. But making the playoffs and winning a World Series are two totally different animals. I really think it is. I think in the, in the baseball playoffs, you want to ride a hot pitcher. And a couple of really streaky batters. The same way in the NHL, you want to get to the playoffs and ride a hot goalie. You know what I mean? It's the yeah, same exactly. basic concept. But, so no, I don't know. A great I, point. I, it's all about that streaking at the right time. We've seen it before in yeah. past years. Even with the Red Sox making the playoffs, they just hit that groove at the right time. Everything clicks. And yeah, I mean, especially when you look at the Dodgers, they're still 91 and 52. Clearly, they're doing something right the majority of the time. Yeah. And if you they want to had talk two about, win streaks of 10-plus games. If you want to talk about that last team that w- that won this many games, the A's, they didn't even make it to the ALCS. So, like, what are you going to do, yeah. you know? Um, I mean, so you we'll look see. at it. You have the Mariners a year ago who had, like, 120-something wins. I mean, you've had these teams who are dominant during the regular season. And everything goes out the window. Everything resets to everybody's 0-0. Zero, zero. Yeah. I don't and, want to take anything away from the Indians because the Indians do look, have looked good pretty much all season, yeah. and and obviously they came off of a pretty devastating loss last year. But I think that we all kind of knew they were going to be back. Uh, I don't think anyone knew they were going to be this good. Um, so I don't want to take anything yeah. away. Like they're a very serious World Series contender, but I just I'm not as scared about a 19. Like if there was a football team that went like 12 and 0 or whatever, or won like their last 12 games, I'd be way more like, whoa, what the fuck's going on yeah. here than like a baseball team winning 19 in a row, which is arguably harder. A baseball team winning 19 in a row, realistically, is more like a football team winning like 20 in a row. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. again, it's a lot of luck, a lot of, you know, pitching that night. The pitcher has to be, yeah. you know, wheeling, dealing, and that's what they've gotten. They've gotten their three best pitchers to do well, and their other two pitchers have also done well, and they've done this all again without Andrew Miller, who's their best reliever. So the fact they've done that just makes it even all the more impressive because up until this 19-game win streak, they were basically just doing what the Red Sox were doing, keeping like neck and neck with each other, playing for that home field advantage in that 2-3 series. Now they position themselves to face who's over the wild card. But again, you never know the matchups. If you could end up being the first-place team and getting a matchup in the wild card, that does not favor you overall and then you're done so yeah 
You make True. a good point. You make a solid point. Uh, hump for October type stuff. You know, you, right now you have only one team is clinched, uh, which is the Nationals. So right now they have a 20-game lead in their division over Miami. So good for the Nationals. Doing it a lot also without Harper and some of their other big players who've gotten hurt, uh, eaten at the beginning of the year. So now they can basically do whatever they want and lock up that bullpen and starting rotation to get them rest, get them ready to go. Because come October, they're going to probably be the freshest team because their three main starters, Strasburg, Scherzer, and Gonzalez, are all going to be lined up healthy, feeling relaxed, and have a lot less innings in their arms than other pitchers have up to that point. Yeah, very true. All right, man. Well, I think that's pretty much all that we wanted to cover today. Anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? No, I mean, overall, I don't think there's much else going on in the sports world. We don't talk about uh, golf or anything like that. The only thing I would say is, uh, did you see the Alexei Lawless rant for uh, the men's soccer team? No, I did not. I'm going to play this for you. This will be the last thing I play, uh, last thing to touch on, mainly just because it's a great rant. Even if you don't watch um, the U.S. men's national team, it's just one of those rants that you're like, oh, this would get me fired up if I was on that team or even not on that team just because I yeah, mean, shoot. it's fantastic. So let me find it. No, I got it somewhere here. It's one of those things that you need me to vamp again. Uh, yeah, you can vamp all you want. <laughs> It'll take me two seconds to find it. Once I find it, it's there. It's just the secret Greg that I'm going to let the podcast listening audience in on is when I ask, do you need me to vamp? That's me vamping. Oh, okay. All right. Here it is. Ready. Oh, why is it not playing? There we go. Tim Howard. Tim, the Belgium game ended three years ago. We need you to save the ball now. Jeff Cameron, clean it up or let's get someone who will. Clint Dempsey, yeah, you're a national team legend. Now we need you to be a national team leader. Michael Bradley, the U.S. does not need you to be zen. The U.S. needs you to play better. Josie Altidore, is this really as good as it gets? Because it's still not good enough. Bruce Arena, Bruce. Jurgen Klinsmann lost at home to Mexico. You lost at home to Costa Rica. This is now all on you, not Jurgen. Oh, and by the way, to all the guys that I didn't mention it because you don't even warrant a mention, that includes you too, Wonder Boy. So, what are you guys going to do? Are you going to continue to be a bunch of soft, underperforming, tattooed millionaires? You are a soccer generation that has been given everything. You are a soccer generation who is on the verge of squandering everything. So, now it's time to pay it back. Make us believe again. You don't owe it to yourselves. You owe it to us. And get off my lawn. Wow. Yeah, it's a fantastic rant. Even if you don't watch soccer, I mean, how do you not get pumped up listening to that? He calls out everybody. He goes down a line of top players, calls them out. At the end, calls them all tattooed millionaires, not taking advantage of what they've been given. And he even mentions a guy, not even by name. He just calls him Wonder Boy. It's fantastic. Oh, not mincing words. No doubt about that. That's a good way to end it, Greg. Uh, I think that we covered a lot here. And uh, shitting on men's soccer is a fantastic way to go out. Always I'll always approve of that. All right. Well, that's it for everybody. Uh, hopefully, everybody's fantasy week two goes just as well as week one did for James and I. Because you came out victorious, I believe, right? I did. I did, too. I was not supposed to. And then uh, my kicker got me like nine points, and I completely destroyed my opponent. Oh, I'm very happy for you. Yeah. And I beat my wife, not in real life in fantasy football. So there you go. <laughs> all right, man. Well, from all of us here at the Sports Stance, thank you guys for listening so much, and we'll check back next week. Have a good one, guys.
the sports dance.